0: Good morning and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church if you are new welcome if not welcome back uh, just a quick announcement that if you're watching this uh, over the weekend before Sunday morning September 6th uh, before 9 a.m. there is still time for you to jump onto our church website West church go to our blog find the post about our monthly prayer meeting you can fill out the form there and we will send you a link to join us on the Zoom prayer meeting this morning at 9 o'clock. If it's after 9 o'clock, then you've missed it and we will see. hopefully see you next week or next month in October for our next monthly prayer meeting. All right, we're gonna jump in. Uh, the last two weeks, we've been talking about a man called Gideon as part of our new series, Unqualified. And we left off with him talking with God. Uh, and when God finds him in a wine press, Gideon is hiding there and he's threshing some grain and i think last week i gave the impression that gideon might be kind of a wimp (laughs) um or you know that he is just um so afraid uh and measly that that you know there's no hope for him but to hide but i think it must be said that he had every right to be afraid circumstantially last week we talked about circumstances if you didn't watch that go back and watch it and listen to it circumstantially gideon had every right to be afraid when you're under the boot of a foreign nation, the Midianites, uh, for seven years, and they steal uh, at, at sword point um, everything that you have because they're bigger and they're stronger and they have more advanced weaponry, then it's okay to be afraid. Uh, and we, we kind of don't have that kind of fear. Most of us don't have that kind of experience in life, but you know, there's different things that come up in our lives that we're afraid of. Um, and one of them might be when God actually shows up and speaks to you and says he wants you to do something, but God turns up and does just that. He speaks to Gideon and he calls him to something more, and he doesn't wait for Gideon to be ready or for Gideon to think that he's ready or to uh, learn some new skill or for Gideon to be equipped in some type of um, talent or something like that. He speaks to Gideon right at the point where he's at, and Gideon is afraid in that moment. And that's what we got into last week when we talked about Gideon's identity and our identity. We're going to pick it up again this week in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, and God comes to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You are, you're a warrior. Don't you just love that? You mighty man of valor. And he's not mocking him. This is this mighty man of valor phrase is a reference uh, to the book of Joshua when brave soldiers would march into the heat of battle. But Gideon, he isn't in a battle yet. He's hiding, and God comes to him anyway, anyways and says, you you're going to be a hero. You are a hero. Uh, this reminds me, maybe the best way to get at this whole idea of the potential within and how God sees us, um, there's this great scene in the movie Captain America. It came out like nearly a decade ago. That There's this doctor who's defected to the United States because the Nazis took over his his home. And he's like, I'm out. I'm I'm not that type of person. And I'm not with you. And the, he works for the U.S. government. His name is Dr. Erskine. I think he's played by um, Uh, Stanley Tucci but he this in the in the story there uh, the the doctor has invented this process that is the process that turns Steve Rogers into this scrawny little nothing of a a man into this fighting machine he sees the potential in him in this little guy he sees his heart uh, and and he sees that he's looking at something more why don't we take a look at that for a minute It's a great clip isn't it uh dr erskine he he is able to see the potential within steve rogers he knows something about him that goes deeper than just the appearance on the surface this is the type of transformation we're talking about when we live into our our identity when god calls gideon like we said last week gideon didn't have it all together but god is going to take him and help him live up to that title mighty man of valor and when god looks at us he sees this potential within we might just see a lump of clay but god sees what it can become it can become a a beautiful work of art a sculpture or a beautiful vase or something like that we see a blank canvas or scribbles on a piece of construction paper but god sees a masterpiece we see a lump of coal but god sees a diamond we see failure but god sees potential we see uh, lots of examples of this in the scripture. God, we look at Simon, who's just a nobody fisherman, and God says, no, you're gonna be, you're gonna be rock-like Simon Peter. We see Paul m- spilling out murderous threats and persecuting Christians, or Saul, and, and God sees this amazing apostle. Um, and now we see Gideon, who's hiding and worried in wine press, and God sees this man of courage. And the point is this, you might think, That you're not anything right now. You're saying that can't be me. You can't, that can't be me. But God is saying you can be that person someday. And and it starts right now with believing what I say about you. So God turned a timid warrior into a warrior. The question this week is how did he do that? How did he do that? Wouldn't it just be great? We just watched this clip from a superhero movie. Wouldn't it be great if God just came down and gave Gideon and all of us some type of superpower. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, have you ever wondered that since, you know, back since junior high? Have you ever wondered about it again? You know, like Steve Rogers. There's all these stories of powers that God gives to people or through people in the Bible too. How come that doesn't happen anymore? How come it doesn't happen to all the characters in the Bible? For example, Ezekiel. You probably haven't looked at Ezekiel in a long time. Uh, Maybe you don't even know the story of Ezekiel. If you didn't know, Uh, His superpower, uh, he has the ability to uh, call a a zombie army to help him out. I kid you not. Go check it out in Ezekiel 37 verse 7. It says very briefly, it says this, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come up on them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them and then later breath came into them and they stood up on their feet and there was an exceedingly great army it's zombie land you think zombies were, this again I'll say it again if you if you're new with us I always make the reference that all of the best sci-fi and fantasy stuff comes from the Bible every time zombies right in the Bible right better yet it's not zombie land better yet it's more like Aragorn uh, when he summons this undead army at the end of uh, Tolkien's return of the king I don't know if you remember that it looked like this. Yeah. So uh, it's like Moses and Aaron. If you're familiar with that story, they had a staff that could do all kinds of seemingly magical things like turn into a snake or turn a river to blood or part the sea or Samson had his superhuman strength or Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams and it goes on and on. I wonder, I wonder what superpower you would pick. What would you pick if you could? Super strength, ability to fly, super speed, uh mind control or controlling time uh teleporting whatever it is as christians i think we wish that god would just zap us and make us super faithful or have whatever ability or skill set is needed that we don't feel like we have or make us happy and joyful all the time or zap get rid of all the issues that we face or boom you have automatically you had two more hours of time in the day or all of a sudden you have the money you, you ever dreamed of to do whatever you want God doesn't do this. He didn't do it with, with Gideon, and he doesn't do it for us. For Gideon, it was actually quite the reverse. God commissioned him, if this part of the story we're going to look at today, and he says, "I'm gonna, you're going to lead the Israelites against the, the enemies that you have. And he didn't say, you're going to go lead this, and before you do that, I'm going to teach you all kinds of military tactics. I'm going to send you to military training school, and, and then you're going to get to go. He says, no, I'm calling you right now where you're at, in the spot where you don't think you have it all together and you're not equipped and you're going to go do this in chapter 6 verse 14 he simply says go with the strength you have go with the strength you have this matters for us and so gideon goes he begins to believe this image that god has of him not as a warrior, but as a warrior and so he goes and the battle is about to start and we're told that the Midianites have 135,000 soldiers. And that doesn't even include camels. Uh, side note, that is the, uh, the advanced weaponry that we're talking about. The Midianites were the first culture that domesticated and trained camels for their use uh, way back in the day. And this gave them a, an advanced weapon. It gave, it made them a, kind of like a superpower. That, that gave them a massive uh, military advantage. So imagine you are used to fighting sword to sword and hand to hand combat in, in all of your battles, and all of a sudden, this, the whole group of this army comes around the next hill, marching out of a valley, and you're on foot running towards them, and all of a sudden, you know, thousands of guys on camels with swords come come towards you. And I don't know if you've ever seen a camel, but they're huge, they're huge. There's this funny description, by the way, I've heard of uh, about camels before. Basically, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. <laughs> so yeah, so if you're an Israelite and, and this happens to you, the fear would be incredible. A, a massive wave and you're on foot, a massive wave of camels charging you. Yeah. So Gideon in the story, he goes out to recruit some troops. He gets about 35,000 soldiers, right? So 35,000 soldiers uh, versus 135,000 soldiers. So they they're they greatly outnumbered, but at least he's got some guys, right? And God comes to him in Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 4, and he says, This, you have too many men. Wait, what? You yeah, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into the hands in into their hands, or Israel, Israel would boast against me, says God. I, my own strength has saved me, is what they would say. Now announce to the army, announce to your army, Gideon, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back. And leave Mount Mount Gilead so 22,000 men left (laughs) while 10,000 remained. so now it's 135,000 against 10,000 if you're Gideon what are you thinking right about now all right it's over like we are in big trouble it's done we're dead we're dead so uh, and I think I misspoke I think it's about 132,000 Midianites anyway Gideon had 35,000 God says uh, if you're a bit afraid of the army then you can go you can go home now all right so now he's down to ten thousand you might think they're wimps but they're actually just using their brains right because what are the chances that they're going to win what are the chances not only is it one hundred thirty-two thousand uh force strong against us but they've got camels all right they've got camels it's basically like they have tanks all right and and so they're like yeah i'm out like if you're giving me the option i'm out i don't, I don't want to do that right so here, this has happened several other times in the scripture. There's an example of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, where they're facing a similar situation, a big army, and he cries out to God. He has this prayer. He says, oh, he says, our God, will you not execute judgment on them, our enemies? For we are powerless. We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. He's literally saying, God, God, you're the only one that can help us. You're the only one that can help us. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like all the odds are stacked against you. You don't have anything to help you except for God. This is a hard place, but it's also a good place to be because God specializes in taking situations like this and turning them around. All right, back to our story. Then God comes to Gideon again, and he says, well, now you're down to 10,000 men. Gideon's like, great, now what's the plan? And God's like, you got too many men. There's still too many left. And he gives him a test to see who stays in the army and who will leave. It's in Judges uh, chapter seven, verses four through seven. And I'll I'll let you read that yourself. But basically, he he whittles it down. He whittles it down to 300 men. You got 300 men against 132,000 men with camels. With a with a battalion of guys on camels, right? He is down. If you're doing the math, he is down now to less than one percent of the original army that he had. And then God finally gives him a battle plan for these three hundred men, and he he divides them into three groups of a hundred. He says they're all going to carry fiery torches with a clay pot on it to hide the fire, and you're going to carry that in one hand, and you're going to carry a trumpet in the other hand. And I, w- I want you to get to the edge of the army, the, the enemy's camp, and I want you to take the pot, break the shards off, off the, the clay pot, so you have the fire, blow your horns and say, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, and you're gonna wipe them out. And Gideon's all like, okay, we're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. And God's like, no, trust me. And so Gideon takes the less than 1% with him, the ones who were willing to give up everything, the ones that were willing to give up their very lives, and they execute this plan, and panic sets into the Midianite camp, and what happens is they start killing each other because they're panicked, and there's this victory, and you might say that's not really a victory, that's kind of messed up. Nevertheless, it's a victory, and here's what I see for us in this. Often, we think God is asking us to do something, and we think we can't, We just can't do it we think we don't have the resources we think of all of our weaknesses we think of our weaknesses like kryptonite Um, and what do i mean by weakness well a weakness is anything according to you where you think you don't have what it takes to do what needs to be done what god is asking you to do maybe uh, an act of ability or you don't have the energy or the experience or you have a handicap that is physical emotional or spiritual or it could be that you have this really big hurt from your past that, you, that is too hard to push through or go around or deal with, and you're like, no. Or maybe it's just anxiety about the future. It's something that you know for certain that you don't have within yourself. You don't have within yourself the ability to do whatever it is. And we all have weaknesses like this. I don't know what's coming to you, you in your brain right now, but you have one. Whatever it is for you, maybe it's God's greatest strength what is the place of weakness for you that you have to rely on god's strength where do you need to keep trusting god and are you going to wait until you think you can do whatever it is whatever that is you're going to wait till you whatever that thing is that you can do it on your own or when your weakness gets a little stronger that you've worked through it or whatever you're going to or are you just going to trust god right now sometimes we want to say god i'm not moving from this spot I'm not going to move from this spot until this weakness is gone. Once it goes away, then I'll do what you ask. Then I will trust you. But actually, that's not how God works in all of these stories, including Gideon's. The question is, am I going to trust God in my weakness? And the thing about our weaknesses is this. It magnifies our need for God. He lets us see through that weakness how, how, how little we have, whatever it is. Most of the time is basically we don't have control how little control we have. He lets us see how great our problem is and and it magnifies our need. And it also shows us how amazing he is. Gideon faced this tens upon tens of thousands strong army with 300 men. When we see our weakness, we see how big the problem is. We see that we can't do it and we have to rely on God why doesn't God just fix it, is probably what some of you are asking. Why doesn't he just make it okay? Why doesn't he just make our lives easier? Why doesn't he just give me a bunch more time, a bunch more energy, a bunch more money uh, to deal with whatever it is in life? I think that you know the answer to that as well as I do. God basically spells it out to Gideon when he reduces the size of the army. If my life was easier and I had more than more than more than enough, Who would I trust? I would trust me. I would trust myself. I wouldn't need God. And that's what we tend to do as humans. So God often magnifies our weaknesses like he did with Gideon. And the lessons of his life, the lesson of his life, is about how God wants to use us in our weakness. And I know it took us a long time to get there. It took us three weeks to get there, but but that's the point. We want to hide in our wine presses in our weaknesses and he wants to use those weaknesses we think our weaknesses disqualify us and our weakness is the very thing that qualifies us what does god need to do to reveal to you the place of weakness that he wants to lay bare so that you can say here i am in all of my weakness or whatever I'm struggling with. And even because even in the midst of that, God, just use me, use me. I'm here and I'm available.